Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This, this podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is our monthly economic discussion. And for this discussion, I am thankful to be joined once again remotely today by Brad Bolliard, Portfolio Manager in Wealth in First United's Wealth Management Department. Hey, Brad, how's it going today? Good, Eric. Thank you very much. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you joining me, as always, to give us the economic and market review. And uh, like we do... You start off with, I believe, the positives, get into some negatives, and give us some conclusions. So uh, you want to kick us off? Sure, Eric. And let's actually maybe end on a positive note today, and I'll, I'll get some of the negatives out of the way. As, as you know, many of the many of the <laughs> negatives for the past uh, you know year and a half have been kind of the same thing, uh, given COVID and, and vaccines and so on. So let's go ahead and, and start off the negatives. Sure. Um, and I'll start off with talking about rates. Uh, withering rates and what has driven rates lower in recent weeks. Um, number one, the Delta variant. The Delta variant probably does not pose a threat to the U.S. economy, given our high levels of the vaccine um, and high tolerance for the vac- for the COVID spread. But it is a much bigger issue globally. Uh, Japan instituted a state of emergency that will run through the Olympics. And in Australia, Sydney is under a stay-at-home order. Cases are rising in Portugal and Spain. And while the most acute economic disruptions from COVID are likely behind us, the longer it lingers, the weaker the, the, weaker the growth will be. So that's one uh, reason for lower rates. Number two, the Federal Reserve. Um, the June meeting showed that the Fed still has feelings for its first true love, and that's <laughs> fighting inflation. <laughs> uh, central banks fight inflation by, sharing the, uh, by slowing the economy down. Yields should fall to account for the higher probability that the Fed slows the economy down more over the next 10 years than previous, previously thought. And then um, number three, technical factors in the bond market. Of course, you can sell bonds short. And then to close the trade out, you have to buy bonds back to, to close out your trade. So some of that that we've been seeing and some honorable mentions I should, I should mention for lower rates are uh, pension buying and lower expectations for fiscal spending. Um, but now that we have some plausible explanations for what could be driving rates lower, you know, should be we be worried? We don't think so um, because we don't think this level of interest rate is consistent with our view for the future. Uh, we expect above trend GDP through 2022, 2000, and into 2023. Uh, vaccines do seem to be effective at preventing serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths, even against the Delta variant. Global vaccination progress will go a long way. High-frequency growth indicators such as purchasing managers and disease, U.S. consumer spending on services such as lodging, restaurants, and travel, um, all that is still climbing. Um, Additionally, the S&P 500 is still near um, all-time highs. Consumer staples, one of the stock market's most defensive sectors, has underperformed the S&P 500 over the last month. And gold, a safe haven, is still underperforming the pro-cyclical metals. Uh, perhaps most importantly, high yield spreads have barely budged, suggesting a low risk of default. So it is worth uh, respecting the treasury market, but we don't think it is signaling a coming collapse in growth. Uh, we think it is just adjusting to a different environment than the one that existed at the end of March. Um, investors could take advantage 
Uh, for equities, for example, the environment reiterates our preference for balance between secular growth opportunities, which is which do better when rates fall, and cyclical ones, which um, prefer rising rates. So, starting with you know some of the negatives for the lower rates and and determining that it, uh, you know there is some some positives there. With that, we'll continue with, with my other negatives that I have here. Initial jobless claims rose by 2,000 to 373,000 in the seven days that ended on July 3rd. Um, that's according to the Department of Labor. The four-week moving average was 394,500, and that's a decrease of 250 from the prior week. Um, the number of people applying for benefits has fallen by more than half since January. However, new un unemployment claims are still almost twice as high as they were before the pandemic. Um, valuations, valuations in both bonds and stocks are elevated. Interest rates are historically low, and with current inflation rates, real rates are negative. Um, most conventional matrix suggests global equities are expensive relative to their industry. And to touch on my last negative, um, inflation, of course, that's been one of the major topics in the news for quite a few months now. Um, the PCE price index grew 3.9% year-over-year in May, its highest rate since 2008. Excluding food and energy, prices rose by 3.4%. Upcoming readings of inflation should be lower as base effects of measurement during spring 2020 lockdowns fall out of the calculation. Um, consumers may experience higher prices in specific categories, such as uh, travel, used car purchases, but not in ways we expect to be broad-based or sustained. Businesses are facing persistently elevated costs of labor and materials, which increase the upside risk to uh, final prices. So, Eric, have you been noticing some inflation in at the gas pump or certainly, on your certainly. loan don't drive purchasing as, and so on? Don't don't drive quite as much as I used to, but uh, yeah, when I do, I notice the we're we're ticking up there a little bit. Yeah, so um, it, you know, we'll continue to read about that. I'm sure over some of the next coming months, but there are a lot of positives um, out there. Uh, the U.S. added 850,000 jobs in June. Um, that's the largest gain in 10 months. The unemployment rate edged up to 5.9% from 5.8%. Of course, we are seeing some of that is leisure and hospitality industries, where they continue to add more new jobs, you know, restaurants, hotels, and, and retailers. Right. Uh, job openings in the U.S. were slightly in May to a record 9.2 million. That's reflecting an insatiable demand for labor. As the economy fully reopens and businesses scramble to keep up with soaring sales of their goods and services, um, several factors are holding back hiring. But uh, by fall, I would say daycare centers and nursing homes, for example, should fully reopen, making it easier for caregivers to go back to work. Also, extra Fed benefits will end in all states by early September, pushing even more into the workforce. Right. A record 4 million people quit two months ago, most to take <laughs> a better or better paying job. Um, so, you know, they, even though we had that many that, uh, that quit their job, it, supposedly a lot of them were looking for better or better paying jobs. The, um, supply management, manufacturing and service indices maintain expansion territory in the month of June and both continue to report exceptional growth levels despite pulling off some. Um, I just, I just want to reiterate before I throw out some of these numbers that anything above 50% is gross territory and anything above 55% when talking about uh, the manufacturing index is is uh, specified as, as exceptional growth level. Right. So the manufacturing index slipped to 60.6% in June, so still in that exceptional growth territory. Um, 
New orders, 66%. Production, almost 61. New export orders, 56.2%. And backload orders, 64.5%. Um, consumer demand is strong. Um, however, uh, many manufacturers were, were stating that they're looking at higher prices, inflation, and lack of labor, um, which are evident. 17 of the 18 manufacturing industries reported growth in June. Wow. On the service side... Um, the service index dipped from record high of 64% to May to 60.1% in June. Production, 60.4%. New order, 62 And back-level orders, almost 66%, all reported above that exceptional growth level territory of 55%. Uh, respondents continue to indicate strong demand and activity returning to pre-COVID levels, but severe supply chain disruptions and staffing issues continue to constrain some of that growth. Yeah. But that, that backlog number has come down a little bit. It was up in the high seventies. I believe last time I, we talked with Megan or Sean, I believe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, you're starting to see some of that ease up just a little bit. So you can actually get something when you order it now. Right. Right. No, I remember even just personal uh, online uh, ordering consumptions. It seemed like, you, you know, a couple months ago you had to give it a week or two. And now it seems like we're getting back to to that two or three or four days um, with some deliveries. Right. So it's, it's been quite interesting. I know, you know, it took them a while, especially over the holidays since kind of to catch up, but um, people are, are going to restaurants a little more um, traveling a little more uh, vacationing. Of course, with the, the summer months here has helped. I'm sure um so but we might you know you might see a little bit going into the fall where where people want to go and start uh getting their carry out again or getting their curbside delivery or getting their door delivery so right have to see what happens when when the weather changes and when people are spending a little more times indoors too um durable goods orders snapped back in may inside of a broad strength in the u.s economy orders for long-lasting goods such as autos and airplanes were founded 2.3 percent in may and showed that the u.s manufacturers are still expanding rapidly despite widespread shortages of supplies and labor which are preventing them from growing even faster um the highly anticipated second quarter earnings season that kicks off in uh, here this month. Of course, expectations are for the S&P 500 earnings per share to jump 65% year over year. That would be the most uh, since the fourth quarter of 2009. Second quarter starting to be the effects of the earnings growth cycle with the rate likely to slow noticeably with the economy in the second half of, of 2022. House stocks react to earnings season could make for a volatile July and August, but I do have um, some of the latest numbers as of July 16th of the 41 com- companies in the S&P 500 that reported earnings. Um, 90.2% have reported earnings above analyst estimates. And this compares to a long-term average of 65.6% and prior four-quarter average of 83.4%. So the 41 companies of the 500 in the S&P have reported 90.2% have reported earnings above uh, analyst estimates. So pretty that's pretty strong numbers so far. That's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, just to kind of conclude on the equity side and fixed income side, as a, after Memorial Day weekend, that was as close to normal as we've seen in a long while. Um, the July 4th weekend delivered even more crowds, I would say, and, and traffic along with higher gas and stock prices. Equity marks continue to grind higher with the S&P 500 adding 2.3% in June and closing the month and second quarter at an all-time high. 
Within equities, the rotation churn continued as growth regained momentum relative to a value as long duration treasury yields um, retreated over the month. In portfolios, we remain cautiously optimistic with a moderate overweight to equities as backdrop of strong earnings, a reopening economy, and an accommodative Fed remain. We are increasing the quality in our cyclical tilt to portfolios as mid-cap and large-cap value companies are likely better able to weather the margin pressures we see coming due to increased input and labor costs in the coming markets. Um, at the June meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee, the dot plot in the quarterly summary of economic projections showed most committee members expect at least one Fed funds rate increase by the end of 2023. So quite a ways there, you know, another uh, by the end of 2023, you could say another two years. While not a binding commitment, the dot plot suggests Fed governors are becoming more confident in their expectations of continued employment gains and moderate inflation in the years ahead. The Fed did enough with its statement to begin to calm some of the inflation fears that may have already peaked, but we'll see what future CPI and PCE prints have to say about that. So um, in general, in fixed income, we are neutral right now. We are focusing on intermediate bonds for new cash, um, increasing quality in the corporate space, not purchasing corporates with that S&P, triple B plus, Moody's, BAA rating or lower. Um, so really lean towards the quality there. Munis were being selective uh, there. Um, on my Moody report, I think the only two states that might be facing um, an unbalanced budgets are uh, Illinois and uh, New Jersey. Illinois and New Jersey. So kind of steering clear of those and our tax-free areas of purchasing and most other states um, still looking at a very, very, still looking very re resilient, I should say. Um, state revenues have rose, I think, a medium one and a half percent from April 2020 to March 2021. Um, and so the outlook's looking pretty promising for most states and most areas in those states. High yield, we are modestly underweight level is appropriate. Uh, risk still high in asset class, but making minor additions due to low yield environment, we would rather take risk in equities. Um, in equities, we are just modestly overweight. Um, looking at that mid cap area, large cap value, small cap um, areas as we approach this uh, cyclical recovery and and um, overweight right now, for example, in healthcare, industrials, financials underweight some of the consumer staples, real estate and, and utilities areas. Awesome. So good touch on our negatives and our positives. Yeah. Um, you know, we do expect still maybe 10 year treasury rate to get a little more closer to 2%. I think this morning when, or this afternoon, my look is um, back up to one point, almost 1.3% today. So it had dropped there a little bit, but um, still not even close to what it was in April where it was around a 1.7%. But, um, you know, long term, we do expect those rates to rise some. We are looking at positive yield curve um, in general, which is always uh, an indicator of, of what's happening in the market. And especially in the intermediate to longer term rates, um, those, those rates looking uh, more positive um, and stronger and higher than what they were a year ago. Of course, a year ago, we were even more so in the middle of, of responding to, to COVID. And now we're seeing a little bit of a response to the Delta variant, but um, yield curve still looking positive. Right. Excellent.
Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining me today and, and giving these helpful insights. If, if any of our listeners have any additional questions or maybe they want to learn more, what's the best way they can get the support they need? Yeah, I mean, uh, just go to our website, mybank.com. Feel free to uh, call our call center. We will hook you up with a uh, one of our wealth officers, um, you know, Annette and Chris Sisler, Annette Chapman, Chris Sisler in Oakland, um, Eric Delaney in Cumberland, many of our officers, which would uh, be able to help you, of course, in Morgantown and uh, in Martinsburg, whether whether our branch will be, we will schedule an appointment for you to meet you in person. Of course, if you feel more comfortable, just, just discussing uh, wealth management uh, needs and so on by phone, we can do that too. And we can probably even set you up with a Microsoft Teams meeting if we had to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lot, a lot of different ways to, um, to, you know, to meet with people, whether they feel comfortable meeting in person or, or online or, or by phone, but feel free and to contact us and we will definitely schedule an appointment for you. Excellent. Brad Ball, your portfolio manager and First United's Wealth Management Department. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. My family is my everything. It's why I'm so focused on saving time and saving for the future. But I don't do it alone. First United Bank and Trust makes it easy to bank anytime I want, especially on the go. Saving is easy, too. I have a plan for my daughter's college and my retirement. They care about my life. They'll be with me for life. First United, my bank for life. Member FDIC. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks 
The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.